This is the Africa service of Vatican Radio. Welcome to our half-hour daily program for Africa. In this edition today, our Bulletin of Church News to be followed by Panorama and then our feature of development and the economy. Today we shall close with a gospel reflection by Father Enobong Udaidong. My name is Kanyan Tagodifri Kampamba. Pope Francis on Friday received an audience seminarians and community members from a seminary in the Archdiocese of Naples in South Italy. The encounter of the Holy Father with a group from the Napolitan Seminary known as Alessio Ascalesi was on the occasion of the 90th anniversary of the foundation of the institution. In his address, the Holy Father reminded them about the fact that the church is an open construction site where the faithful walk together in synodality. Listening to the Holy Spirit and the signs of the time, Lisa Zengarini reports. The church is above all an open construction site that remains constantly on the move, open to the novelty of the spirit and overcoming the temptation to preserve itself and its own interests. Pope Francis offered that insight in his address on Friday to the seminarians and community members of the seminary Alessio Ascalesi of the Archdiocese of Naples, a synodal church that walks alongside the crucified and risen Christ and listens to the Spirit, requires ministers who know how to adopt a pastoral discernment style in every situation, the Pope said. This is why, he explained, the path to priesthood is also a construction site in which future priests are called to get involved in truth, allowing God to build his work over the years. Pope Francis therefore invited the seminarians not to be afraid to let the Lord act in their lives through the Holy Spirit. He encouraged them to dig deep, doing the true thing themselves, meditating God's word and delving into the questions and theological and pastoral issues of our time. The Pope also recommended they work on emotional and human maturity. Without it, he said, you won't get anywhere. Bringing his address to a close, the Pope encouraged the members of the community of the seminary Alessio Scalesi to travel the path of conversion and renewal, also by learning to live in fraternity with humility. Fraternity, he stressed, is especially today one of the greatest testimonies we can offer to the world. I am Lisa Zengarini. Rabbis and scholars have thanked Pope Francis for what they say is his effort to sow friendship amidst animosity. This is contained in a letter to Pope Francis written by a group of rabbis and scholars of Jewish-Christian dialogue. In the letter, this group of rabbis and scholars say that the Pope has outstretched his hand to Jews worldwide, adding that the Holy Father is also active in opposing anti-Semitism and anti-Judaism. The letter is co-signed by Rabbi Joshua Ahrens of Frankfurt in Germany, Rabbi Yis Greenberg of Jerusalem and New York, and Rabbi David Mayer from Paris in France, Kama Ben Johan of Jerusalem, and Mauka Zeiga Smokovic of Chicago. 
The same group had written to the Holy Father to invoke closeness between Jews and Christians following the massacre of 7th October and the surge in anti-Semitism and anti-Judaism around the world. On 2nd February, Pope Francis sent a letter to his Jewish brothers and sisters in Israel, assuring them of his solidarity with the Jewish people, and at the same time calling for a swift reconciliation among all people of all ethnic backgrounds and religious confessions living in the Holy Land. The letter from the rabbis and scholars ends by recalling the pain of this land's inhabitants, be they Jews, Christians, Muslims, and others, which they say pains us all and impacts our lives and our futures. The obligation to heal this fractured world, they say, beginning here and now, penetrates our being, holding a mountain over us like a barrel. The Archbishop of Kinshasa in the Democratic Republic of Congo has called upon the people of God in his archdiocese to use the Lenten season to examine pastoral structures and infrastructures. He says this is in line with the theme of the pastoral year 2024, which talks of diocesan structures and infrastructures at the service of evangelization. Cardinal Fridolina Mbongo has made this appeal in his message for Lent, 2024, in which he underscores the need to keep alive the theme of this year's pastoral activities in the Archdiocese of Kinshasa. The journey towards Easter commits us to a collective effort to continually improve our ecclesial structures and infrastructures, the Archbishop says, adding that this way will make them places of hope for present and future generations through projects conceived and matured in collegiality and synodality. Cardinal Ambongo says he echoes the fact that he is renewing his urgent appeal to all the faithful in his jurisdiction to analyze with a clear forward-looking vision the needs of the structures and infrastructures that must support and promote the overall pastoral care. May your commitment, coupled with inventive dynamism, provide all our archdiocesan entities with the structures and infrastructures where all members of our ecclesial body will find the marks and signs of God who liberates and saves. Cardinal Ambongo implores in his Wednesday, February 14th message. The traditional Lenten campaign of solidarity and sharing organized in Kinshasa Archdiocese during Lent requires all our sensitivity for the benefit of suffering members of our body and houses of formation, the Cardinal says further. The Ordinary of Kinshasa concludes his message by inviting the faithful to once again maintain the momentum of their charity, even as he goes on to identify prayer, penance and sharing as the three essential pillars of this Lenten journey. In Nigeria, Archbishop Ignatius Kaigama is warning against the persistent eve that looms big in the country. Speaking in his homily during the Ash Wednesday Mass in Abuja, Kaigama urged the Christians and all the people of goodwill to desist from evil, which he said can have devastating effect on the nation. Delphine Asu reports from Nigeria. The Ash Wednesday Holy Mass that was officiated by the Chief Shepherd of Abuja Archdiocese, Most Reverend Ignatius Kaigama, took place at Our Lady Queen of Nigeria Pro Cathedral, Garki Abuja, in his homily. Archbishop Kaigama decried the persistent evil in the land and warned that God might do to us what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. There are many people who even proudly say there is no God. 
and they don't feel any compunction, any sense of regret. They don't feel it. They say, oh, no, there's no God. We have the technology. We have the scientific knowledge to do this and do that. We don't need God. Let us not be fools. We know there is God. And then back to our country, we see the evils happening around us. I am afraid that if these evils persist, one day God will do to us what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. May God forbid. Let us avoid this evil. You turn this way, it's evil. You turn that way, evil. If it is not banditry, it is kidnapping. If it is not kidnapping, it's corruption. If it is not corruption, it's political vandalism, injustice. Somebody who wins an election, you say he didn't win. Somebody who lost an election, you say he, he, he won. What is that if not corruption, injustice, and sinfulness? So let's be careful that God does not do to us what he did to such people in the past. He then advised that the Lenten season be used for conversion and repentance. Throughout these 40 days, we shall be talking about conversion, about repentance, about coming back to God. We need to come back to God, especially in our world of today. So this is a time to just remind ourselves, to recollect ourselves, to reconnect with God, to renew our lives, and to practice what I call true religion. In Abuja, Nigeria, Delphine Asu reporting. President Maxwell's bid to delay pause in Senegal has been blocked by the country's top court, which said that the decision to postpone this month's presidential election was against the constitution. Widespread protests have gripped the West African country, once considered a bastion of stability in the region, referring to when voting should take place. The Constitutional Council said... It was impossible for the election to be held on the original date, but urged authorities to organize it as soon as possible. The decision of the court came on the same day as several opposition politicians and civil society members were released from prison. Linda Bodoni tells us more. Considered one of the pillars and watchdogs of the region, the African Economic Community ECOVAS's intervention in Senegal's crisis signals the preoccupation of the bloc that held emergency talks on Thursday in Nigeria to discuss the political crisis in Senegal and also ongoing disputes with military rulers in three other member states, leading to questions about the bloc's broader role. The unprecedented election delay has triggered widespread unrest and warnings of authoritarian overreach in the West African nation that is seen as one of the most stable democracies of the region. Archbishop Benjamin Daye of Dakar is amongst those to have expressed concern for the postponement, reiterating the need to aspire towards national cohesion and institutions that respect the constitution. Reacting to the ruling on Friday, the government said the country's political factions would need to consult to find a way forward. So the pressure is on the president and his ruling party, but a government spokesman has not yet said whether the presidency will abide by the ruling. The answer lies in the Constitutional Council's decision, which calls on the competent authorities to set a new date for organising the elections as soon as possible, Saul's spokesman reportedly told journalists. Saul has previously said he delayed the election due to a dispute over the candidate list and alleged corruption within the Constitutional Council would undermine the credibility of the poll. Meanwhile, tension is high throughout Senegal and more protests are expected over the weekend. I'm Linda Bordoni. You are tuned to the Daily Africa service of Vatican Radio. 
Vatican News Panorama. President Cyril Ramaphosa of South Africa has promised to sign into law the National Health Insurance Bill passed by lawmakers last year. The law aims to provide health care to millions of poorer citizens in a major overhaul of a two-tier system which still reflects deep racial and social inequalities 30 years after the end of white minority rule. However, the bill has been strongly opposed by business groups which say it will lead to disinvestment in the healthcare sector and damage South Africa's already fragile economy. President Ramaphosa told journalists in Cape Town on Thursday that it is a matter of time for him to sign it into law, but did not provide further details. Nigeria's information minister has said the country is considering the introduction of state police in its 36 states to bolster its national police force in its fight against growing insecurity. President Bola Tinubu met the country's state governors on Thursday to discuss insecurity, which is hurting farmers and contributing to high food prices and inflation. Speaking to reporters after the meeting, Mohamed Idris said the federal government and the state governments agreed that a state police force was necessary, marking a significant shift in approach, he said. Nigeria's 300,000-strong police force is currently facing an Islamist insurgency in the country's northeast, along with kidnappings for ransom, deadly clashes between farmers and herders in the central belt, and separatist and gang violence in the southeast, among others. The country's police chief said last year that around 200,000 more officers were needed to secure the country adequately. The Defense and Foreign Affairs Ministers of Mali, Niger and Burkina Faso have confirmed the withdrawal of the three countries from West Africa's regional bloc ECOWAS. The ministers arrived in Burkina Faso's capital Ouagadougou on Thursday for talks just three weeks after the announcement to withdraw from the regional bloc. Spokesman for the newly formed Alliance of Sahel States, Abdullahi Maiga, said the three members had confirmed their joint commitment to withdraw from ECOWAS without delay and continue cooperation under the alliance, which was formed last September. ECOWAS last week urged the three states not to withdraw, but instead to prioritize dialogue and reconciliation. The bloc suspended the three countries following military coups that overthrew their democratically elected governments. You're tuned to the Africa service of Vatican Radio. This is Development and Economy, and you are welcome to the program. My name is Kanyanta Godfrey Kampamba. Radio is beginning its second century of service as one of the most dependable and widely utilized forms of media in the world. Proclaimed in 2011 by the member states of UNESCO and adopted by the United Nations General Assembly in 2012 as a United Nations International Day, February 13th became World Radio Day. The 2024 observance of the World Radio Day highlights the history of radio and its powerful impact on news, drama, music and sports. It also recognizes the ongoing practical value as a portable public safety net during emergencies and power outages caused by natural and human-made disasters such as storms, earthquakes, floods, heat, wildfires, accidents and warfare. 
Furthermore, the continuing democratic value of radio is to serve as a grassroots catalyst for connectedness within underserved groups, including immigrant, religious, minority, and poverty-stricken populations. Today in this edition, we look at the relevance of Radio Miraya. This United Nations radio in South Sudan is a channel for peace that has been broadcasting across South Sudan since 2006, and in that time, its core message of peace hasn't changed. As the world celebrated the World Radio Day on 13th February, United Nations Radio's Daniel Johnson caught up with one radio veteran, Benny Dotsei Malo, after his long service in South Sudan's headquarters, Juba, and asked him to share his thoughts about his experience in war-torn South Sudan and the usefulness of Radio Miraya among the peoples of the world's newest nation. Ben, tell me about Radio Miraya and why it's so important for the people of South Sudan. Radio Miraya is the radio station of the UN mission in South Sudan. Radio Miraya is king, or let me say Radio Miraya is queen, because Radio Miraya is the largest, the most far-reaching, the most popular media platform in all of South Sudan. If you want any information to be sent out, quickly and directly to as many people as possible in South Sudan, then Radio Miraya in South Sudan is the platform to use. And how does it do this? I mean, it has dozens of transmitters, does it, across the whole country? Yes, Radio Miraya has more than 30 transmitters across the country. We have to provide resources to send our staff sometimes when the transmitters break down to go and fix them, uh, put batteries in to make sure that as many people as possible across the place can listen to what we put across. So you think that maybe 7 in 10 people in South Sudan listen to Radio Mirai, which is absolutely remarkable. But having said that, I think globally 4 billion people listen to radio in some form. So obviously it's a success story in South Sudan. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about the kind of subjects and demographic and views that it manages to share with the people of South Sudan? Radio Mirai has programming that cuts across all relevant subject areas, politics, the economy and cost of living, protection of civilians, which is a key part of the mandate of the UN mission in South Sudan, issues of human rights, human rights violations, and particularly with elections scheduled for December 2024, the mission and the radio are concerned about having the suitable and conducive civic and political space to enable all South Sudanese of all persuasions, all creeds, all colors mm-hmm. uh, to participate in voicing their concern or their ideas on how the country should be uh, governed and how the elections should be con- conducted. So there are programs also for young people. There is a youth program that is quite popular. People call in and issues that are very important are discussed. There are programs for women and about women. There are programs for children. In fact, on the day of the African child in May, the station hands over, the regular producers and presenters hand over the station to young children who come from various schools 
and do the programming from early morning till late evening. And it's a wonderful thing to hear and to watch. Of course it is. That sounds like a lot of fun. I wish we could do that more often. Just tell us why you were in South Sudan, Ben. You went all the way from New York to go to Africa. That's what we try to do to solve problems, to be the voice of peace, which is what Radio Mirai is there for, to be the channel of peace in the country, allowing government officials or non-government officials, every voice to be heard across the country and propose and, and, and then support the democratic process there. Radio veteran Ben Dotsaimalo talking to Daniel Johnson from the United Nations News in a commemorative interview on World Radio Day. And that is all we have time for in this edition of Development and the Economy. Until next week at the same time, my name is Kanyan Tagodfri Kampamba. Coming up next, a reflection on this Sunday's readings, prepared and presented by Father Enobong Udaidiong. This Sunday is the first Sunday of Lent. The season of Lent often comes with its expectation from us believers. It is a period of stock-taking, a period to re-examine our lives in relationship to God and others, especially as it concerns sin. It is a period that we are specially invited to repent of our sins and return to God. This period that spans 40 days has a special character of abstinence through fasting, prayer, and being charitable to others, especially the needy. The readings of this period present themes of mercy, forgiveness, repentance, love, prayer, and charity. It is a special moment set aside by the Church for penitence, in order that we prepare well for the Paschal events of Easter. It does not mean that other periods are not that important for penitence. Every day of our life is a call to conversion, and so we cannot take things for granted as the people of Noah's time did when they were warned of the flood. The first reading from the book of Genesis chapter 9 recounts the new covenant God made with Noah and his family after the flood. Imagine how Noah, after spending 40 days and 40 nights in the ark, felt when he exited the ark after the flood waters had receded. It was for him the dawn of a new beginning. Everything left outside the ark was destroyed by the waters. To him and his family, God said, I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. This covenant with Noah marked a new beginning in the history of humanity. The flood waters previgured the waters of baptism which washes away our sins as presented in the second reading by St. Peter in his first letter, chapter 3. In the waters of baptism, we are saved from sin and we are washed clean. Thus, we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Yes, as new creatures, we become partakers in the new covenant which God establishes with us in Christ. As God promised Noah, never to destroy humanity again through the waters of the flood, He, through Jesus Christ, promised all who believe in Him eternal life. 
The water of baptism becomes then for us believers, the water of rebirth. And rising from the waters of baptism, we receive the Holy Spirit, which imprints upon us God's mark of ownership, thus giving us the right to call God Abba, Father. Having realized who we are, God's children in Christ Jesus, and at the same time being prone to sin, we have to be steadfast in our commitment to prayer, fasting, and works of charity. These activities, which we are to carry out during this Lenten season, help us put to death the activities of the flesh, while we strive to be alive in the Spirit. Being alive in the Spirit means we have to be conscious of our sinful state, renounce them, and return to our merciful God who is good and upright, who shows his ways to sinners. This is not a time of judgment. No, it is rather a period of mercy, a moment of salvation for all who have fallen short of the glory of God. It is a decisive moment. We should journey with Christ if we anticipate winning the struggle of our sin. We are called to repent and believe the gospel. In Christ Jesus, our victory over sin is assured. He is ready to accompany us throughout this 40-day journey, if only we give him a chance in our lives. Let us then in humility return to the Lord by forsaking our sinful ways. Let us put on the new garment which Christ has won for us by his victory over sin and death. Sin has no power over us because in Christ Jesus there is no condemnation. Rather, there is mercy and fullness of redemption for the sinner who comes repenting. This is the period of mercy, the moment of salvation. Please do not let it pass you by. We pray for the grace of a repentant heart. May the message of Christ in all its richness continue to find a home in our hearts through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen. This is the Africa service of Vatican Radio. Praised be Jesus Christ. Laudetur Jesus Christus.